Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. What's going to happen? Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, you know, we had talked about how the surf was pretty flat there for a while there in December. but We scored it, last week. It picked up, man. January is awesome. End of January, we scored. What, what, what was that? Two, three feet overhead? Uh, it was la- We're talking last it week. It was Saturday right? when we yeah. went. And then you went Friday. Where'd Friday. you go? Went to a uh, little known spot up in the Santa Barbara County. Took my yeah, son. Yeah, let's not tell anyone exactly man. where it was, but North County. Boom. It was It was beautiful. So what's the surf like? So this yeah, week? so we scored and it was awesome. You scored, I scored, and now and we've had rain the last couple of days, kind of crappy, junky. I drove up by Malibu today and there were some waves, um, but Friday actually is picking up again. Yeah, we got, I mean, good we got the green three to five, baby. So Friday we had orange last week. So. Yeah, we scored Saturday. We went out Saturday morning and it was big. Good, good times, good times. Okay, anyways, uh, let's talk about some news. I actually have an article. What? What? Didn't read it, but I saw the statistics. You posted this. I though. know. I know. I barely read half the stuff I post, <laughs> but I do skim them. And this one was on Fox uh, Fox Forty Five. Hello, record, record, check. Whoa, where did that cut from? Go ahead, keep going. Okay, anyways, <clears throat> so this one was uh, Fox Forty Five Now dot com. It said this is actually pretty sad. It's kind of a bummer. I'm sure there's family members. Is it Miami? This is Miami yeah. uh, Fox said 31 suspected overdose deaths in the Miami Valley since Friday. 31. And obviously the gist of it is that it says we we could do 3,000 autopsies in the facility and have 1,800 of them be drug overdoses. I don't know how to stop it. Um, and anyways, this person they're talking about um, basically, the heroin now is being cut with fentanyl, which is a hundred times more potent um, than heroin, and it's an elephant tranquilizer. And didn't you tell me that the sick nature of an addict is when there become overdoses, addicts get excited because that means there's a stronger drug out there, yeah, and they don't they don't yeah. think they're going to OD, yeah, but they know oh that high is going to be better. And they're talking about, yeah, absolutely it's sick, and and they're talking about how this 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 drug. Naloxone or whatever it's called that brings you back from a heroin overdose. It doesn't work with with fentanyl. Oh, so wow. like that's why. I mean, thirty one since Friday in Jeez. one county. Wow, thirty one in four days, and that's all over the country. Yeah, this that's is just, it. Always country. starts in Miami and it moves on to the West Coast. But anyways, hey, uh, I don't live in Utah. What do you? No, gosh. But no. apparently, this this dude, uh, his name is Fred Carger. Uh, Who's this guy? I don't know. He looks pretty. He like, looks intense. He looks, he looks angry, doesn't he? Looks he? Very angry. Why is he so angry? Well, because Mr. Fred, what's wrong with you? He is right? spending thirty thousand dollars of his own money to launch a campaign against the church in Utah, trying to oh, get the tax exempt. Wait, wait. Um, oh, he wants our tax exempt. Oh. Yeah. So LGBT. Didn't they forget some initials? There's yeah, more. and it's a QB. They didn't put that sign. in here. But I guess oh. he is only an activist for LGBT. Okay. Um. That he had a news conference and said, you know, he's going to go all out against the church. Oh, he's going to go out with 30 grand? He better have deeper pockets than that. Uh, it's just sad. I know. It's just kind and, of a bummer he wastes his own money. 30 grand's not enough to do anything. And I'm going to sim- simplify it even more. And maybe if it's 
if his beef is uh, the church's stance against uh, 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 sexual relations outside of marriage, reality is our doctrine teaches everyone's going to go to heaven. I was just talking about this with and a friend today in the car. All, all we're saying is if you're living a promiscuous life, you're not going to go to the highest glory of heaven. But what you, what you just said was huge. We're the only Christian yeah. church that I literally know of that like says if you if you don't accept Christ, you choose to do it in life, you're not going to burn in hell. That's Most right. of them told me that when I was investigating churches. Of course. We're so, the only one that says, so, no, actually, you're so not going to So the hate is, you're going to go to heaven, but you're not going to go to the highest degree because you're in a homosexual relationship and you continue want to do that. You don't want to keep the commandments. You don't. It's like we talked about. It's like, then don't join. This guy doesn't have to be a member if he doesn't want to. But to spend $30,000 and to do some public, like, whatever. Because the church teaches you're not going to go to the highest degree. Like the greatest glory of heaven, just you're still gonna nigger. go to a degree of glory. Fred, take a deep breath. Let's just did you sing kombucha tea? That's one of my favorite tea. No, I'm just kidding. Let's just take a deep breath. Maybe enjoy some waves. There's some good waves. Come down to California. Maybe if he surfed a little more, he'd relax. He this guy hasn't surfed a day in his life. I could tell just looking at him in the eyes. But I don't want to oh. be mean. But I mean, at the same time, hey, if you're ever down here in Southern California, we'll take you surfing. We'll take you surfing, and you don't have to spend thirty grand to do it. All right, that's our olive branch. Hey, I got excited about this. I'm sure you didn't watch this news conference at the church today. Of course I didn't. But oh, I, I did see a clip of something right when I yeah, I've been working this all is, day. Go on. This is pretty uh, pretty monumental. I didn't know it was going to happen until I just like, well, what's this? The church created a worldwide education program. So we have BYU Provo. Yeah. There's BYU Hawaii. Okay. There was there. Rick's and there's BYU. It's BYU Idaho now. There's LDS Business College. There's the BYU Extension. And LDS Business College. LDS Business College, yeah. I went there. there is, then more recently, there's the Pathway Program. Yeah. Um, so the Pathway Program it was an extension of BOU Idaho. And what they did is they, you know, the most the research done by a lot of great people that I follow about blended learning, where you combine online learning with a classroom type setting. And they and so they really adopted it to Which get is like people, pretty modern modern stuff that's oh, the like most, changing education most recent research shows it's the most effective way I've to learn seen, i've seen ted talks on it yes and i know a few academies that specialize yeah, in that me too um but so becoming path, bigger for high school uh it's not not as much as college okay but it should be coming to high school whatever i i obviously i invested in that okay, okay um but pathways was like let's get you back into college if you have had time out of college or like you want to go back in basically yeah. like me i dropped start out. the degree and the blended is you take the online courses, but then you show up to the institute building once a week, and you meet with a group of students at the institute, and you must take a religion course and a like a math course yeah. or writing your course, yeah. and that's been blowing up all over the world. And then, but then what does it do? It helps you get your education. Yeah, so you get a couple oh, years, but so you can get financial aid. Uh, it's dirt cheap. It's yeah. like really cheap. Okay. Um, but it's basically to get people back in. So I can get my degree. Yeah. I probably should. But here's the deal. They So they just announced this to be, it's now called BYU, I'm going to forget the name already, BYU Pathway Worldwide. So it's going to be under the umbrella, like a separate entity. So when people ask you, Salt Lake, BYU. We're in at a Salt Lake, and they're just really going to explode. So there's 37. So they're helping people get out there. There's currently 37,000 students doing this program, and it's going to grow even more. Whoa. Um, they told me about this when I was leaving. I was like telling them how I couldn't be in BYU Hawaii anymore. I couldn't live there. I had to be here for work and just blah, blah. They were like, oh, you're going to eventually have these online programs. You can finish your degree. So this online, kind of, and then you show up to an institute building. To an and awesome so you get building. support. And and I'm just really excited that the church is taking worldwide. It's worldwide. 
I mean, yeah, think, of, think of the people in the Philippines researching oh, yeah, mission, totally. right? To have access to U.S.-based college. Oh, not only that. Are B- you kidding me? Like, BYU-based. That's, that's, that's the difference between a life and not oh, having a life. Having education. So that's, I love um, we've talked about it on a few other podcasts. about. And Mr. Fred, you want to spend 30 grand to do what? Gosh, why don't you spend 30 grand to help people get an education? <laughs> yeah, and then throw come a little sponsorship fund. Yeah, sorry to bring back Fred, but dude, I just got that image of his face. <laughs> but we, we this talk, is a great thing, man. We talked about it before about how we are an education promoting uh, faith. Yes, we're all about self. We're about helping people self better their life. Self better their life, but not, what's the word like self preserve? Instead of it's like the analogy of teaching man to catching fish worm or teaching man to fish. The church is all about teaching you how to fish. Yes. Right. Giving you fish in the beginning when you come hungry. Yes. But then it's like, all right, now I'm going to teach you how to live for a lifetime and help others. Yes. Love it. Self-sufficiency? Is that the one you're looking for? Yes. Solvent? I don't know. Have you gotten any... Uh, our Instagram page has been getting a lot of new followers lately. I saw that. I and saw that. it I'm has come to that. life with some more posts. We've even seen some video posts from you, Jay. Because you started giving me crap for not doing it. I did tell you on your personal Instagram, for every selfie you do, you got to put at least a few Brad posts. Brad and his jokes. That's funny. <laughs> but it worked. It did work. I started posting. I'm trying to do it once a day. You got some great quotes or things you want to share, just hit us up in the message. I believe they call that DM. Direct message. Boom. They'll say DM me. But you know what? Your video messages on all seasons have gotten the most positive feedback. Like we get more comments on those. Yeah. So I'm keeping up the videos? uh, I reluctantly am telling you yes. (laughs) My face sells. Sells recovery. If you could go the mustache back, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Let's get, let's get, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, go to our uh, DM me and say yay on the stash or nay on the stash. I'll grow it back if I get enough yays. You might need to post a picture of that tonight or tomorrow. Because I don't think many people have seen it. Oh, before and after. Yeah, like my with, personal account with a stash. Yeah, you don't have it on our... So. With a stash, what, without a stash. What is the Instagram account for the Next Step Podcast? It's... You explain it. Because it's too confusing. Those are underscores, it's right? The, the underscore, underscore next, step. next And it's the reason why we made it that way is not to be confusing. is because I accidentally <laughs> didn't follow Instagram protocol and like <laughs> reply to an email. So it was just very simple. The Next Step Podcast. But then we had to create a new one. To be fair, you're not getting paid enough to do yeah, that. I'm not getting paid at all. Well, as much as me. Oh yeah, that's true. Which is blessings. blessings. We're getting blessings. We're getting ble- We're building our mansions in heaven, and we love doing it. So, Fred, keep your thirty grand because you're not going to stop me. What? You know, I'm sorry I brought that up. No, you don't have animosity right. towards Fred. Bless, bless Fred. Fred's heart. I want to take him surfing. That's true. I will take him to the biggest up, break. Fred. I want to take Fred. him out of the wedge in the summer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's so bad. Let's right. take him to Sano. Get him longboarding. No. I want to take him the wedge, and I want to give him a... Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. 30 grand. Um, we're yeah. short on news. That's all we had. Like, we've been... Uh, yeah, but we're, I can get fired up. I want to talk about more news now. Um, what a lot of stuff in the news. What well, I'm just, well, political stuff we shouldn't get into, but I mean, just we, a lot of stuff. We've purposely avoided that. Yeah, yeah. We're not avoiding that type of stuff because we just don't want it to be... You this know, is about addiction. That's but, the main But also, thing. like... But there is just, a lot of stuff. Can't we just get along? Yeah, can like, we just get along? How about civility? Civility's huge. And can well. you agree to disagree on policy and still be faithful members of the church? And, yes, and be faithful members of your country, right? Like, if, if there's, like, it takes, anyway, we're about to go political, I'm going to stop. But, I'm proud to be American. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Lady Gaga during the Super Bowl. How about that Super Bowl? Oh, let's talk about that. that talk about a comeback. That, hey, if they can come back. The That's Patriots were down story. by 20-something points. I don't even watch football, but I did watch it, yeah. and I was uh, I was amazing. 
they scored 31 they outscored them by 31 points in the second half like it was insane it was a shutout in the second half they were getting yeah. shut out in the first half come back around uh, it, it's like life it's like recovery it doesn't matter where you're at it's where you want to finish boom do you know who we're going to be doing for our ask the addict today Oh man, we have a special one. Listen, if you're listening right now and you think about, yeah, maybe I'll do this. Maybe one they off. skip over. Like maybe as soon I'll... as you start doing your share, and they yeah, like, they're like, oh, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Listen, if you're you want to hear the craziest conversion story from non-member to from sex addict to I don't want to give away too much more than that, but basically it's a it's it's a female's perspective on on sex addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, sex industry. I'm telling you what. And now faithful Latter Day Saint, and not only faithful Latter Day Saint's got several years of sobriety under her belt, and now helping other people. Don't turn the podcast off just you're, yet. You're gonna want to listen to all 100 minutes. 100 minutes, and I'm promising you're probably gonna listen to it again and share it with someone because it's it's life changing. You know, awesome. you know, what we forgot to talk about what stats. She's awesome. Anyways, stats of our podcast. Great. Do you know where? But, uh, what? Oh what's yeah, our where listening? we at? Where we at? Where we at? How many? How many countries? Well, let me just pull up real quick from the last week. And we didn't talk about don't, this. So don't well. look. Okay. You always ask me this question. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm always curious. I haven't looked either to see. Well, I, do know, I do know we're blowing up in Canada. Canada! There are some listeners in Canada if that George are... George St. Pierre listens, I'll be so happy. He's my favorite MMA fighter. Retired with the belt. Welterweight champion of the world UFC. Canada is really good. We have Brazil, Vietnam, nice. the UK. Nice. Um... So Canada, UK, Brazil, Mexico, and Vietnam are our countries, and our uh, our top city outside the U.S. is Maple Ridge. Where's that? I don't know. Maple Ridge, Canada. Somewhere in Canada. Oh, it's in Canada. Okay, yeah. Sweet. I don't even know Tell where that George is. Tell George St. Pierre to listen, and, and we'll have him on the show. So that's awesome. And then last thing I want to talk about is the ultimate fighter guy who bore, basically bore his testimony to the Book of Mormon. Yeah, that was a while Who was that guy? Yeah. Was that an old video? Yeah, yeah. No. So I don't watch that stuff, but... Up. But yeah, no, he got in there. He, he talked about there's there's actually a famous uh, MMA fighter who's um, kind of Court McGee. He's also in recovery. Hopefully, we can get him. Member of the, the church. Show. Member of the church. Um, sure he's a member. Anyways, but yeah. Anyways, there's 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 a few different uh, UFC fighters. Well, UFC is huge. Earl MMA is huge in Utah. Freaking love it. That's where I fell in love with MMA. But anyways, hopefully we can get him on the show because he's actually advocate. He's got like. I think 11 years sober off of heroin. He died. Provo father, Court McGee, sobriety has brought him. There's a, yeah, our, he, it, dude, he doesn't Brent, just go to the why UFC did, fight. Why did we not do this in the news? This is like, just like a week ago. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. MMA fighter, Provo father, Court McGee says sobriety has brought him many blessings. Yeah, no, he talks about it all the time. This is the article you should have brought up. You're well, in the MMA. Well, I just read this all the time. I didn't You're think, the addict. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Come on, man. Bring He's some, actually, actually, something. I used to train, well, I used to train at the same gym as him and I worked there and we had some great conversations. He used to roll up in the, uh, every day before fight practice and uh, he had a family and kids and everything, but like, this is the hardest working dude I've ever seen. Still a hard working dude, but you'd listen to his AA tapes. In his headphones. While he was working out? While he was walking up to the oh. gym. Everywhere he was going, he had those tapes in. He's an amazing man. Pretty mm-hmm. awesome. So hopefully we can get him one day on here. That'd be good. We do have a contact that might be able to arrange that, right? Well, I have his number. Do I you have, have it? Number. Yeah. We'll reach out, man. Well, I mean, you I afraid? Seen him a long time. I have another buddy who trains with him that's also in UFC that I can hit him up. But we'll All see. right. Uh, Jay, I thought you were a salesman. I am a salesman. Jay, will you? Will you, you reach you out? Me? Jay, will you reach out to him within the next month to invite him to first listen to the podcast, secondarily follow up to be on the podcast? Yes. Do you hear that direct will you question, boys and girls? Yeah. 
Okay, if I we're good. Would you? We're gonna go into your share, and then we're gonna do ask the addict. Don't turn it off after my share or during my share because the one who is coming on is amazing. We're so grateful she's here. And Jay, your shares are always awesome. Well, That's why we record them. <laughs> They're led by the spirit. Half the time I'm like, oh, did I say anything good? Dude, that's why I record them is when we first, that's what I, one of the things that inspired me for this is if I could just, I literally said, if we could bottle up your share, because that is not Jay speaking most of the time. That's not carnal Jay. It is spiritual Jay. And it, it is you, but it's you just really letting the spirit work on you. And I am proud of hearing that every, I love hearing it every week. All right. On to your share. Jaminax, grateful to be here. Um, Step honesty is uh, feel like one that uh, this year, you know, uh, I've learned. You know, I feel like the heavenly Father wanted to reteach me and how important it is. And I've had uh, these four years. I'm ex- just extremely grateful um, to be sober and to be alive and to be able to help others and just to be able to think of other people because uh, where I was four years ago. Um, I was very selfish, and I could still be extremely selfish, but I was ext- to the point where like, I was incapable of not only being honest with myself, but um, I couldn't do anything for other people. I was, uh, I, you know, when, I, when you first read this step, <clears throat> in the beginning it said many of us began, barely we were older than children. Well, the first time I, I did a drug, I was, thir- you know, I was 13, or yeah, around 13 years old, or 11, no, 11 years old when I smoked weed for the first time and drank at 12. Um, and so I, I had that experience, and, you know, my mom, we got so bad in such a short period of time, by 15 years old, um, had to take a loan out to send me to a rehab just to save my life at that time because it was just progressing so fast. And that was, in the beginning, just to, to, for disobedience or to have fun and to experiment and to do all the things it says right there. And then uh, I was able to come home from that and not do drugs but still drank and still, still was very unhealthy in my mind and just where I was. But then Heavenly Father decided to pluck me from the world and, and gave me the restore gospel and gave me a testimony in the church. And I was able to get baptized and, and uh, prepare myself for a year and a half to go on a mission um, for the church. And I, I went to serve in the Philippines. And um, I was really excited. I was extremely nervous. But, I mean, my testimony in the church was so strong that I was willing to do whatever it take, you know, to, to, to get there and to get worthy. And I did. And I'm grateful for that. But then... You know, the next part, so I'm grateful because I have all these things to testify to. It said, uh, your circumstances, then it says it also could be justifiable need for a prescription drug or an action of, uh, so a prescription drug. When I was on my mission, as many of you know, I uh, had to have sinus surgery. Um, and uh, um, the doctor gave me a Vicodin uh, before my surgery because I was having these headaches very consistently. I had to leave the Philippines and went to Seattle. I was extremely allergic in that environment to a lot of the pollens and things there. They were causing these uh, cysts to form inside my sinuses and polyps and all these things. And I'll never forget when I took that first uh, Vicodin. I woke up with a massive headache in the morning, which is pretty common. And I took it, and my, my companion was in getting in the shower, and I got up early to read the scriptures early by myself because I was a new convert and I wanted to learn, you know. And I was excited to just be stateside and not have to worry about a language to just, you know, so I wanted to just study the gospel. And I woke up and I, I realized that when that pill first hit me, it took away all my physical pain 100% from head to toe. And then it gave me a euphoric high. And then I quickly realized, um, I quickly, quickly realized when we went knocking that day, because in Seattle, no one wanted to talk to us. And especially in our area, it was... Man, that people just did not like us and uh, got a lot of doors slammed in our face and 
got a lot of mean things yelled at us in the street and stuff. But and I also didn't like my companion at all. And uh, that pill not only helped me with my physical pain, it helped me with my emotional pain. It helped me, like it says right here, word for word, it totally helped me deal with emotional stress and anxieties and fears and fear of rejection, you know, and fear of not being good enough and all these fears that I had since child, since I was born. And, uh, and I thought, I, w I was so naive at the time, like maybe some of us, I'm not the only one, but I was so naive at that time that I thought it was a gift from Heavenly Father to help me to be able to work hard you know I was like well this is giving to me I didn't even occur to me I had never abused a prescription drug at that point ever and I'd never taken a prescription drug to get high ever and so at that time it was just it was just like wow this is amazing like I had the best day of work like knocking I had the best scripture study that morning and it was like that for for many weeks and I got along with my companion and it was awesome you know and I actually enjoyed being around him and I felt the spirit strong and and uh but quickly after my surgery, uh, then I had the sinus surgery, and then I, they broke my nose and, and did a lot of surgery, like on my face, and the recovery was extremely painful, and uh, that, that, that prescription just got intense. They gave me Oxycontin, and the minute I took the Oxy, it was totally different. And after the recovery um, of the actual surgery, I just was experiencing rebound headaches, and I didn't know what that was, right? I didn't know what it was like. You know, I didn't get the fact. I just knew that I was taking them all day. It really quickly went from one to two a day to like all day, like within maybe a month or two after my surgery, I was consuming maybe seven or eight Oxycontin a day, which was, you know, 80 to 90 milligrams, which is a lot for a missionary, you know, like, and I was getting fed though. My, my, my doctor would write me the description. The point is, is I had to get honest there on my mission. I had to realize that I had a problem. This is where also I feel I'm blessed because I did that. We dumped, I remember me and my companion at the time. We dumped them all. We gave me a blessing. I detoxed. It was a horrible experience. Um, but it wasn't enough. I didn't have this program. I didn't have these steps. And um, because quickly, right after my mission, everything fell apart. Like, I just, I lost my ability. It says your addiction uh, surrenders your later ability to choose. That's what I felt like when I got, came home early from my mission. I felt like it was so hard for me to keep these commandments, which I once, like, just a, two, three years ago, loved. And they brought me so much joy when I surrendered myself to God to live them, and I couldn't do it anymore. And I couldn't explain it to my bishop. I, could, I just would go in there and repent and talk to him about my stuff, talk to some of my friends, but I couldn't explain how I was disconnected from my own will. But in here, like, I, I just wish I would have had this because I felt so, I felt like there was something wrong with me. And there was something wrong with me, but I felt like there was no solution. And, uh, you know, I'd go to institute, I went to church, I, w I did all my callings, and yet I couldn't figure out how I couldn't stop doing certain things. And, uh, and quickly, shortly being home, a friend offered me Vicodin, and that was it. And I, I battled with the addiction of opiates for six, seven years, and almost lost my life and my wife. And um, I'm just grateful that my friend brought me to one of these meetings, and uh, I'm grateful to be alive today, and I'm grateful to to you guys and the experience that I get to have with each and every one of you. I feel like everyone in this room I've had an experience with. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, to just read this. I felt like today I, I woke up and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, you know, like yesterday was my day, but today I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to run four miles. Like there's no surf right now. It's flat and I'm bored <coughs> and I need some type of physical exercise. I'm like, I'm just going to do this because I can because I'm sober. And I did it. And that's a big thing for me. I'm not a runner. Like, I've never run more than 10 minutes without collapsing. And, uh, but I did it. And I was like, holy crap, like, there's no way I just ran four miles. Like, I haven't done that since I was, like, 18. 
And uh, I hated it when I was 18, let alone now. And I'm turning 30 years old, you know? The point is, is I, I remember um, Eric from our old meeting was running these crazy marathons of like hundreds of miles. And I remember him saying, well, I remember asking one time, like, why do you do that? That's insane. And he's like, because I can. He's like, because I, when I was in my addiction, I couldn't do anything. I, I wanted to do a lot of things, but I was, I was dysfunctional. And uh, I remember with Lexi moving to Hawaii to try and change our circumstances on her outside. To Maybe that would help my addiction. Maybe that would help my depression. Maybe that would help my anxiety. Um, this was several years ago and when I was heavily in my addiction. And I, I moved out there, and I didn't get out of bed to surf once. I think I remember went twice for about six months because I was so depressed. And I was so – I was dysfunctional. And I had to get honest with myself. And it took me – uh, having someone like my wife stand up and and say I'm done and she meant it and it wasn't like she was saying I'm done for a little bit and I hope you get better and then maybe I'll come back she said I was done so I had to see that off if she wasn't maybe authentic with that and if she really didn't leave me and say she hated me um, I don't know that if my ego would have allowed me to get honest with myself because I was pretty deep in my ego and I was I thought it was everyone else's fault but my own at that point and uh, I had finally seen that there was consequences to my actions. And if I was going to go online to myself, then I was going to lose everything in my life that I loved. And luckily, I had a mom who let me, you know, come and, and live at her home and help me with my son when I got him every week, every other week, and uh, take care of him. But I could barely function, and I was extremely <coughs> depressed. And luckily, I was brought to this meeting. And I'm going to read one thing and pass the meeting over, but this is from the big book, and it says chapter 5, how it works. I reflected on this today when I was running and put on the Joe and Charlie tapes, the big, the big book study, and it just reminded me of so much truth. And it said, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to, these, to this simple program. I love how it says simple. Because it pretty, it's pretty cut and dry once you just accept it. Usually men and women who are continue, constantly incapable, uh, constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such and they are such an unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to be born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their cha their chances are less than average, and, uh, and then it goes on to talk about other things. And you know, I'm just grateful that that's not me. And uh, at one point, I thought it was me, and I thought that I was never going to be able to stop because it did wasn't just opiates; it was any type of pills. It was from anyone. I'd steal them from your house. I'd steal them right from your bag, and I'd help you find them, and I'd lie right to your face that I took them. And uh, I couldn't tell the truth. I couldn't. I was broken, and I felt broken. And when I called Mike, my sponsor, the first time, I had so much anxiety. I could barely – I had got my wife back, my family, and we're living with my aunt and uncle. I just got a job. And it was like the first week. And I had been sober for a few months. And I couldn't even get out of bed. I had so much anxiety. And I couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from. I just – I thought I was doing everything right. Like I had been sober for three months. So I was like, man, I'm good. Like I should be happy. I got my family back. But I couldn't get out of bed. I had paralyzing anxiety. So I call my boss, who's also in the program, who runs the Thursday night meeting, and he goes, do you have a sponsor? Quickly, just stop talking about work. He's like, do you have a sponsor? I said, no. He's like, you need one. And he said, I want you to call this man, Mike, and I'm going to give you his phone number. And that's it. And I want you to just do that today, and I want you to meet up with him and do step one. 
go. And he just hung the phone up on me. And he said it just like that and so direct because he knew I was going to try to justify or try to rationalize just making it simple. And so I did. I called Mike. I remember it like it was just I was sitting in my aunt's house in the backyard. Mike, do you remember me from the meeting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? And I just, boom. And he quickly <coughs> met up with me. He told me what to do. We met up and we started our journey. And I'm grateful to be sober. I'm grateful for his wisdom. I'm grateful for his testimony. And I'm grateful for his sobriety. And uh, I'm just grateful to have you guys in my life. And uh, I feel like God has uh, given me everything back and more. And uh, I thought that uh, at one point in the beginning, my first year of sobriety, I thought that I was only meant for, you know, I was only meant to just be sober. And now I realize that I'm meant to be in, in the fold of God again and to do his work. And uh, I feel like uh, this, this last year has been the hardest year of my recovery, minus my first few months. And, uh, but I'm grateful I made it. And I'm grateful I got honest and, and corrected um, some of the uh, character defects that were plaguing me um, this year, you know, with my ego and some of the things I was dealing with. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful as a program of action and uh, it can be used in your fourth or fifth or tenth year or first year or second month. It doesn't matter. It can save your life and it can change your life. And um, I hope that uh, we, we spread the word and get more people like me and you in, in, in here to get help because uh, they're, they're going insane. I, I was going insane and I'm grateful to be here. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jay, we've got a special uh, guest again. Yes, we do. We say that every time. Because everyone's special. What is your name? My name is Monica. Hey, Monica. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, we've, uh, I, I think it's safe to say, this has been one we've been hoping for for a long time. Definitely. Definitely been preparing for and excited about. And it's one that I think we're going to struggle with getting, like narrowing it down. There's so much information um, with you, Monica. So let's just first start off with how many years of sobriety do you have? I have 24 years uh, clean, 24 years stopping smoking. That was the hardest one. <laughs> Okay. Uh, 21 years uh, out of the sex industry and 21 years what, what was that? Sober. Yeah. Sex industry. Sex industry. Don't, Don't do that, that every day. On LDS podcast. Yeah. Um, but if I was in your ward uh, many years ago, I'd probably just know you as sister so-and-so. and primary teacher. Primary teacher. <laughs> awesome primary teacher of my child, right? Scout leader. Yeah. Um, and but uh, through there, so we're going to peel back a few years and maybe talk about your story and about your conversion. Did you grow up in the church? No. So you joined the church. Yeah, uh, I think I was thirty-five. Um, I don't want to do the math on that, but yeah. just approximately how many years ago is that? Uh, well, I've, how many years I've ago that been was? a member for twenty-one years. Okay. So when you got sobered up, that was when you joined the church? Exactly, yeah. I had to sober up and clean my act up so I could join the church. And is. I had a lot of stuff I had to clean up. When you were going to get into, but that's curious right off the bat, the, it was the fourth discussion probably back then when they introduced the Word of Wisdom. Oh, yeah. Was that like, what? Was that brand new foreign to you? It wasn't. Yeah, it was for you, that right? wasn't yeah. brand new brand new foreign. My hardest part was when I, like literally when they came to my door, it's like, okay, baptize me. However, I had this past. And so I had to uh, deal with my past. And they said, well, you got to do, you know, I wouldn't pass a baptismal interview. And, uh, but I couldn't bring myself to tell them that I was in the sex industry. Uh, They were just these innocent boys. So... 
Yeah, so... Northern um, California? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing okay. from Utah. I'm just yeah. We have a lot of listeners in Utah. I, so, I all, but I'm just saying, most of you guys... Yeah, so that was my biggest hey, secret coming into it. Pornography is one of the biggest uh, paid... Industry, like as far, uh, there was a study a while ago that paid pornography... So Utah was like one of the biggest states back oh. when... I guess it's free now. I don't know. A lot of places. But back when it was, quote, harder to get, there was a, there was a big pornography problem in Utah, believe it or not. I, well, no, I, I believe that. Okay. Number one for drugs. Mm-hmm. Prescription yeah. drugs. Prescription drugs. Drug use. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So plastic surgery. It's got a lot of highs. Love you guys. <laughs> we're not. In, we're not. We're not innocent up there, our Utah brethren or in Cistern. Um So uh, I don't even know what. I was just gonna say. Yeah. So 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 where did all so where did this all begin? So you said, let's just take us back. Where did this all start? You you said sex industry will start there because or did we did drinking and drugs start before that or how did it work? I partied a lot uh, in my youth, especially my teenage years. Growing up a non-Mormon, totally non-Mormon. Yeah, totally. I was, yeah, beyond non-Mormon. My mom was an atheist. She thought prostitution was awesome awesome, and every woman should do it. And um, and it like they were really in yeah full on bra burning yeah and so I grew up with a lot of drugs around me I just by ten I knew how to roll a joint my mom had like amphetamines sitting on her you know bedside dresser guns everything that was just totally normal for me wild upbringing where would you where did you grow Sacramento Sacramento wow yeah definitely free liberal up there yeah so you know so at a young age i started you know experimenting you know and then drinking you know hanging out partying and then consider experimenting it was just like this is what you do right well a lot in sacramento there's not a lot to do so every growing up in your house it wasn't like yeah you weren't afraid of getting in trouble at mom oh i was i hit it okay yeah her thing was i can do it but if you do it i'll beat your Oh, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> double standard. The double standard that happens so much. Yeah. The okay. irony of, of the alcoholics or addicts raising kids. Right? Yeah. Of them, like, we, if I catch you smoking, I'm going to beat your A. But yet they smoke two packs a day. That's how most of my friends' parents were. Yeah. We always had the gallon jug of red wine in the in the refrigerator. In a box. It was a jug. It was a jug then. Glass okay. jug. Very heavy. And then my mom would send me, like, even when I was, like, seven, she used to send me to the store to buy her cigarettes. Yeah. And that was like that was normal. Totally normal that was then. totally normal. And so uh, teenage partying. Lots of sex. Lots of yeah. sex. Yeah. Lots of sex. So like so did you so it, like growing up for me it was pretty it was just by junior high it was pretty normal. Like I mean guys girls were experiment, experimenting. However, the, I I noticed for myself when I look back like my actual addiction to sex started at a very young age. It wasn't just messing around. Like the minute I saw my first pornography, the minute I tried something with a girl, it was just, I just wanted to do that only. Like it was just like right away, nothing else mattered. Didn't care about normal things. Like 12 year old, my friends were skateboarding, surfing. I just, pornography, girls, you know what I mean? The whole drinking alcohol, that's all that mattered. It's a little, yeah, it's a little different for women because we don't have the testosterone, you know, uh, push. So, what, so like, yeah, start? Uh, well, I saw my first pornography when I was like seven or something. My mom had a whole stash under her bed, and of course, being a, like seven, seven, yeah. or maybe younger, yeah, no, maybe no, I younger. I, I don't know. Was around the same age. I'm yeah, thinking. and um, it was interesting because I had never seen it before, but I knew exactly what it was when I found it. I knew this was bad. I shouldn't look at it, but yet I was compelled. Like I just was 
I couldn't not look at it. Drawn to it. Yeah, I was really drawn to it. And then, you know, it was weird because obviously I didn't know what sex was, uh, but I could feel my body like responding to the pictures and um, in a euphoric high type way. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, you know, even at a young age, I was like masturbating. So, yeah, yeah. that's interesting of uh, just that the light of Christ. You knew it was wrong, even though you grew up with it. But yet, without without knowing who Christ was, right? Have it was just, Christ. that was there, but also the work of the flesh was there, battling at a very young age. Yeah, at seven. Yeah. Okay, so then where did it go from? So then now you're you know fast forward. Now you're in junior high, high school. It's becoming normal, right? That's how it was for me. I had a lot of boyfriends. Yeah, so I mean, it's completely normal. Like no one, unless you were. I had a girlfriend that was religious. Her family was religious. Then it was like really bad. But my family was like, here's a box of condoms. Like, don't Forni- get fornicating was no. Come, yeah, yeah, we're, we're brat, that, no. Up in the church over here. Like, I mean, that's something you you know you've been no. been taught. Of. It was different for me. Yeah, my mom found my birth control in my purse, and she uh, hit me and gave me a black eye, and then uh, threw me out of the house. What age was that? Because she wasn't keen on you having sex. Yeah, I was thirteen. Thirteen. She was furious. So Absolutely serious. Pretty, pretty crazy, right? Like, because I had a friend like this that he was uh, came from some pretty wild parents, and they were like, I mean, not maybe not as wild as your mom, but like they were in and out of jail for drugs and stuff like this. But like, if they caught us, oh my gosh, he would beat us. No, I mean, you know, he would yell at us and scream at us more than the religious parents when mm-hmm. we get caught from those friends, you know. And for women, like, like I said, we standard. don't we don't have that testosterone, so men use love to have sex. Women use sex to get okay. love. Okay. And my dad, you know, had never been around never been me. In yeah, I'd never been in the picture. So, of course, I was looking for that validation from sure. men and just searching for love in all the wrong places. Just like the song. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think there's a perception that pornography is a men problem. Totally. Yeah. Sex and pornography. Most of the time you hear, like, when I look at anything on on social media today or on, on news, it's all about men, 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 men are doing this. It's a boys men problem. will be boys. Yeah, boys will be boys. And it's justified as that way too, but, right? Or brush under the rug. But they're also having sex with girls most of the time. Exactly. <laughs> but it isn't interesting, it's not just the men, it's also men are usually being blamed for the whole thing. But reality is it's like it's a two way street, right? Like I mean, it's just interesting. Society has changed a lot. I mean now girls, especially on Instagram, you know, the there's oh. the whole sexting and then there's the whole hookups and then oh, there's man. like what Tinder so female sexuality has really come out of the closet. I run two. I run a couple Instagram accounts. One we do together, the, mm-hmm. the podcast. Yep. And most of the people we follow are like recovery or church type things. And then uh, I have a surfboard, yeah. small surfboard company. And you should. It's all surfboards and butts. Yep. And mm-hmm. like. It's unbelievable. And Instagram just puts it up on your home page. Like, it knows mm-hmm. how your guy or girl, and it knows yep. what to put up there. Like, it's crazy. But it's also yeah. sick because you've got, like, I mean, you've got, like, these young surfer girls that are fun. But it's like, here's a picture of me surfing. Here's a picture and of my butt. And it's modeling. Like, they, they don't just post to them surfing anymore. They're, like, they're you can see it's a competition oh. at 13 yeah. and 14 years old to show off that you're a woman. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess that was always that way at school, if you remember. Like, we go back, like, that's how it was kind of for a little bit. But... Now it's in public. It's like on this forum that's in our phones, in our pocket, and it's there 24-7 that never gets turned off, really. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the 70s, so I go way back. It's a totally different atmosphere. So did you have Facebook back then? Oh, God. MySpace. MySpace, MySpace, right? Nope. That was before MySpace. MySpace. 
All right, so go on. So so now so now you're so did you think during this high school time where you're now you're drinking, right? You're partying, doing the mm -hmm. normal thing, but now doing you're coke, doing coke, okay? Mm -hmm. And then and, but now you said you're promiscuous. A lot of different boyfriends and stuff like that. Did is did you feel like you were addicted to that at that point for the validation, or did you feel like you were like enjoying you, it? Did you want to stop? No. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It hasn't even come to your mind. That's. A, Key because there's some people like they know right away and they're like, ah, I shouldn't be doing this. There's some of us like me, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, like at all, until I mean, now that I'm a, especially now that I'm a mother of course, five children, you look back, yeah. Uh, I'm horrified at the thought that you know, at 13, mm -hmm. I was giving blowjobs to my boyfriend. I mean, if my yeah. 13 year old did that now, I would just you'd have a heart, like it'd just be the devastating, yeah, yeah. No, I get I, that's what I'm saying. From the retrospect, now we can do that. So, so now it moves on. So after high school, where do you go from there? You go off to college. So what goes on? Yeah, I went off to college. Yeah, definitely non-member. I did four years of college in um, Sacramento. Uh, ironically, I did get hit by a drunk driver <laughs> because I was drinking a lot. Um, and then I ended up uh, coming to Long Beach to be in physical therapy school. Okay. And when I hit Southern California, it was a huge culture shock. Totally different. I wrote all my friends and I said, everyone here is too rich, too thin, too blonde, and too tan. I hit, I hit Newport Beach and I just remember the first time seeing 16-year-olds on each side of me driving like brand new, like BMWs. Like the movies. Yeah. yeah. It really does happen. It, it really does. Yeah, okay, so go from there. So so now you're here. So you're here for physical therapy. You're out of college, right? And now you're here. Now what? So how does this keep going into your story here? Well, I was Still not a member. Yeah. Party and hard. No, yeah. Uh, I was, well, no, I was trying to get my act okay, together. You stuff together. Yeah, yeah, so I had quit doing coke, and right. I was drinking, and I and was having sex. a job, quote, unquote, to get. Yeah, but I did, I did stop the coke, and then um, I was a massage therapist. I had okay. gotten my certificate. So when I hit Long Beach, I needed a job, and I saw this ad for a massage therapist, at, and I didn't know that it was really a front for prostitution. Wow. I had no clue. Okay. How old are you at this time? I was like 21. Okay. So, you, so what happened? So you go to it? <laughs> and the guys, you know, well, yeah. at first, I was so innocent. I was so naive, and, you know, I had standards you know, sounds funny, but I did have standards. Like that was the line I wasn't going to ever cross. You know, yeah, ever, I'm, ever. Without like, getting into too many details, I just mean like you, you, you're now here. You, you, you didn't know at first. It was innocent at first. This is what I'm getting at because this is where the adversary, I believe, comes into all of our lives that are addicts. It was the a money. Lot of these are innocence at first, and then all of a sudden it's like whoa. Yeah, it wasn't having it's sex slow. to have it's sex. Yeah, it wasn't the sex at all. And that's for women. That's true. Yeah. It was the money. Yeah. The yeah. money just sucked me in because it gave me power. a sense of power. Validation. It was about power and it was about control. I had self-control. I didn't have to rely on anyone. Yeah. Um, and now you're getting validation from men because they're paying you money. Right. Right. So where does it go from there? Still not a member now. How long did you work there? Or how long? Where did they, like... It was years a, did this go on? This, yeah, I'm sure. It, did, now, did you start up with drugs again, or did you feel no shame? You're just no. I was life, yeah. Money. No, yeah. I was totally, totally. So where does it go from there? As far as like how long? Did that uh, switch things or yeah. I had I had gotten married and I got pregnant and had a baby. That's pretty iron. The irony there for most people is like right. Most people don't get married when they're 
right? Like most of my friends are still not even married, right? Like yeah, I was 20. School. Yeah, I was 24 when I got married. And I was 25. So I had a desire to like really connect with one person. And yeah, and I was, like I said, really leaving. I'd stopped doing drugs. Yeah. Uh, I only drank socially with my husband, okay. nothing else other than that. And even that was very rare. Obviously, I didn't drink during my pregnancy. But I was a very hippie type mom. Like I had a natural childbirth. I wanted to do it underwater. You know, I taught it's yoga. Full yeah, I was a yoga instructor. I was a, you know, uh, private trainer. So I was living this really clean, athletic, you know. So did you feel like you left that life behind? Yep. Okay. Yep. And then, um, uh, and then I had my baby, and six weeks later, I couldn't go. I didn't want to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to be away from my baby. And uh, and I wanted I really wanted to breastfeed. That was like a huge thing for me. And so, for some reason, I just got it in my head. I really got the idea from my husband, but um, that if I stripped, like in a bikini bar, I could work only at night, and he would be with the baby, and then I would be home, being able to nurse and take care of my my daughter. So it was started. It, a desire? it was a righteous money. desire. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This is the crazy part. This is where the adversary comes into our life and he takes true principles yeah. and true desires. And he, he, I look back on my life and it's the same thing, mingling things with good things. Yeah. Yeah. Things. And you know, like I said, I started very innocently just yeah. doing like bikini telegrams. Just like everything else. Like when you first got the first job, it starts to become a slippery slope. Yeah, and I didn't do any, I didn't take my top off, I didn't do anything sexual, you know, it was in offices in front of, you know, a whole, lots of people, women, yeah. so um, it started off very innocently, but little by little, people start offering you money, they start yeah. offering you jobs, hey, you want to come and do some modeling, and you're thinking like it's normal modeling, and then they're like, okay, well, can you take yeah, off your clothes? This, this, and this. You know, once again, you're still motivated by money at this point because now you have a family yeah. even more probably absolutely because now you got money yeah, yeah. Now, we had a lot of money. debt we had a lot of debt of from the wedding yeah of course so so how long so where does it go from there now you know are you just making money and life's great or are you starting to starting to feel guilty at this point so far no guilt so far you're just living life no but my life. husband and i started really fighting okay. we were really arguing he was very jealous um, irony there, right? Gets you into the industry in a degree, right? And then becomes jealous. Well, because he knew. He knew he knew so where it was going to go. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. Really, I'll never do that because I loved him, you know. Yeah. But, um, but then when the money comes in. The money came in. And so my husband and I started fighting. And uh, he actually gave me a black eye once. And after he hit me, that was it. I just said I just said that's it F it I'm just gonna do whatever yeah. I want so that's because yeah. we all have that switch where it's just like okay I'm going hard now mm -hmm. that was a switch that was all bets are off wow so how long does that last now I'm sure you get into drinking drugs again no uh well no. I I was okay until uh somebody asked me to do a nude photo shoot and it paid a tremendous amount of money yeah. and so um I had never done anything like that um, and I was really scared, and so I was sitting in, I remember sitting in the makeup chair, and she's doing my hair, and she's doing my makeup, you know, the makeup mm -hmm. artist, and she was, she had a cigarette, and I said, hey, can I have a cigarette, because I was really nervous. I hadn't smoked in really long time, yeah. and so, you know, here, yeah, and so I, so I started smoking, and then, uh, 
And then when I was working in the strip bars, I always said I wasn't going to drink, and I never drank, you know, I didn't drink at all, but I certainly didn't drink on my shift like the other girls did. Stripper with standards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a stripper for God, yeah. Um, this is yeah. what we do, this is what we do in our Well, and every guy. Our addiction, like, well, well, some sins good, but some not. Right, and all the guys would say, like, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like you this? Like, I was no, the only one only that, this, yeah, and so, so you're in there, you're but then the I went from, up. yeah, but then I went from bikini dancing to topless dancing to nude dancing. Once again, slippery slope. Yeah, and like then at that point I started, yeah, I would drink mm -hmm. on the, um, drink on the job, you know, and then guys would ask me to come over to, you know, party you with them after work. Yeah, so no I started. Hard word once you're drunk. You're and I was cheating. Yeah, I was cheating on my husband because I was so mad at him. You were, yeah, you had already shut off. So what is that? But I was in? lying. I was lying about everything. Oh yeah. Well, once you get in your disease, as everyone knows, if you're listening, if you're an addict, if you're anything like me, once you're in your disease, every time your lip, if you're active in your addiction, every time your lips are moving, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to other people. You're, everything, like you said, like you were probably telling. Well, yeah. He, hit, he did this, so now I can do that. You know, everything's a justification for something. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even say that. I just kept this. I had this almost like two people, alter ego. Oh, yeah, yeah. So during the day, you know, I wore yeah, no makeup. Not. I wore my, you know, hair in a ponytail. I was this granola, you know, tree-hugging, so you know, mom. And then 5 o'clock, I'd start, just like an actress, I'd start putting my makeup on, and you start changing. And then I'd do my hair, and I'd start getting into this character. Uh -huh. And I, my strip name was Honey, because oh, my go. husband always called me Honey. And so, um, and then I would, you know, uh, change my outfit, and I had, you know, a bag of, you know, you have yeah, this you huge have bag stuff. of stuff. And then by the time I got on the floor... You became someone else. Mommy wasn't there anymore. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm I'm trying to lead into to the point because obviously your story ends up you're not a mem you're not a member still. How do you end up to the point of despair enough to like if where I was when I joined the church, right? I was right out of high school, but I'd already had years of like I was pretty depressed. You know, on the outside, of course, put on the fake facade and drank and partied, but on the inside there had been a hole that was so big that none of my family members or anyone could understand except for the person I met who was a member of the church. And then that's where my conversion started, right? So where did where did your whole, like obviously your whole building, you don't even know it at this point, but how do you get to the point of despair years later where you... It started because I had to hide this other life. And it was hard to hide it because my parents came and visited me and I'm driving like a brand new... $15,000, $30,000 sports car, you know, and this like limited edition Miata. And all of a sudden, reasons. yeah, and all of a sudden my boobs were like five times bigger, you know, and so they're kind of, and my hair was bleached, like totally white. So you fit into the mold that when you first moved to Newport Beach, you were like, oh yeah, no, I was 10% I was body fat and I, you know, had, yeah, I was very, very tan. Okay, so, you, so now you had to lie to your parents. All so my time. parents are kind of looking at me and they're going like, uh, what's going on, you know, yeah. and I lied through my teeth. Um, and I started, it was just really eating at me that I knew I was doing something wrong. Yeah. I always knew it was wrong. Light across. But yeah. um, I got trapped. You know, I was in a trap, and I didn't know how to get out. And I just knew 
the turning point was I had... In this lifestyle, when you say trapped, you're trapped in this lifestyle. I was trapped well, in the lifestyle the because it was the everything. only way. It was actually, like I said, it was I was trying to be good. And so I was a single parent. I got a divorce. I was a single parent of one. Then I um, got pregnant with my second child. And then he left. The, his, her father left. And so here I am, single parent with two kids. The only possible way, and I was—I actually tried to get a normal job, being a secretary, but I had to strip, and you know, be a prostitute at night to pay for my childcare. Yeah. And I was going back to school. I was trying back to finish my. Wages, we're talking like, let alone for anything that we're a woman or I mean, you can't support. Anything. Yeah, and I was trying to um, go back to school and finish my degree in physical therapy, and so I was making nine dollars an hour as a and, it's, and my. Which yeah, and no my child, child no child support none. Yeah, and my child care was like, you know, $300 a week or something. It was outrageous. So the big turning point was um, I was trying to be a single mom. I was trying to do it all. I was trying so hard to be a good mom. Um, but I took my uh, my second daughter. My best friends from Sacramento was visiting me. And uh, I just realized I had this um, moment of clarity that I wasn't a good mom, and I wasn't that my daughter would be better off with someone else. And so that's when I thought about uh, have, giving her up for adoption. And it was a oh, heart. How old is she? Oh, gosh. Is she was two. Okay. No. The youngest okay. was, yeah, one. She was about one or two in between, and my oldest was like, Four or five. But you just hit you. You just hit so much shame all of a sudden out of nowhere. Yeah, the first daughter, you know, my oldest I wasn't worried about because she always had her dad, and her dad was yeah, an awesome one, dad. No but this one was just on me. And um, and so I thought about giving her up for adoption. So I was looking in the yellow pages. That's back when we had the yellow pages, and I'm looking under A, an adoption. Like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, an adoption, <laughs> ironically, is right next to abortion. So they have all these abortion clinics and all these, yeah, and all these adoption clinics. And um, so I was calling the adoption agencies. That was kind of weird. And then I started thinking, well, foster. If she just was in a foster home for two years, that's all I needed was two years. Then I'm going to get my degree. I'll make, you know, $50,000 a year, and I'll be able to take care of my kids. But then, for some reason, I started thinking about all these horror stories you hear about foster kids getting abused mm -hmm. by the, you know, the man in the house. So, I mean, that was just like, oh, my God. So I thought to myself, who could I trust my most precious possession with? And she wouldn't end up in a broken home. Because then I would have done, I would have done it all for nothing. If they, you know, let's say she's with a family and then they get divorced, it's like, well, then she just, she could have just been with me, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought a lot of the biblical story where the the two women are fighting over the baby and they're saying, she's, they're both saying, this is mine, this is mine. And so the judge says, okay, fine, we'll cut the baby in half, you know, if you can't come to a, a decision. And the real mom, the birth mother says, no, no, she can have the baby because I don't want you to hurt it. Mm -hmm. So I felt very much like that. Okay, so now you're at that point. So I had that feeling. So for some reason, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a horrible decision. How am I going to make this decision? Yeah. I was overwhelmed with the consequences of my decision. Anxiety. 
So for some reason, it came into my head, go to your closet and pray. And I had, I was not a praying person. You, 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 were, raised, you were raised by an atheist. Well, I was raised by an atheist, but I had gone to a, an all-girl Catholic high school. Okay. So I was yeah. familiar. So I was, yeah, 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 I was familiar with the Bible, you, you know. Have you prayed for any time recently? No. Okay. No. Uh, and so, um, so you felt inspired to go to the closet. And pray. Well, there's that scripture in the New Testament about going to your closet yeah. to pray. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a walk-in closet. So I marched over to my walk-in closet and I shut the door and I was in complete darkness. I had, there was carpet on the floor, so it was nice and soft. And I started to pray and, you know, please God, tell me what to do, you know. And then for some reason it said, get on your knees. So it was like a voice in my head. And so I got on my knees. And then it said, you know, I was realizing this is a big prayer. Like, this is so big. I'm going to, I literally laid prostrate, prostrate on the floor. And I said, please God, talk to me. I need to know what to do. And you can't just like whisper it to me. You can't, I don't have time. You have to literally scream it as loud as you can so I can hear you. And I heard very clearly, call the church. I didn't know what the church was. I had no clue. So I, yeah, so I stood up. I walked out of my closet, and I was like, what church? What church is he talking about? You know, whatever, she, whoever God was, I didn't know. So I went back in the closet, and I prayed, what church? And I heard Latter-day Saints. Well, no, first I heard Mormons, sorry. First I heard the Mormons. And so I got up, walked out. Opened, you know, the yellow pages yet again to the religion section. Don't no, don't Google. <laughs> and I couldn't find Mormon Church. So then, this is also back when we had four one one on a landline. Once again, so I called four one one, and she said, "You know, what do you need?" And I said, "Mormon Church, please." And she looked, and she's like, "There's no Mormon Church here." Because it's not called that. Yeah, That's what everyone thinks it's called. And I was like. I'm like, I see the guys with the white, white shirts, shirts and the and bicycles. Guys. Like, I know they exist. So, anyway, I hung up. So then I went back to the closet, prayed again, and said, okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know. What's this Mormon thing? And it said. Have you heard of what Mormons, like you've seen the you missionaries? Was Mormon besides seeing the missionaries? No. I, I knew nothing the... either. Like, literally didn't know anything uh -uh. about Mormons besides they lived in Utah. Yeah, no, I just saw the guys. <laughs> yeah, I just saw the guys on the bicycle. Okay, okay so go back. And go back so again. I heard Latter day Saints. So I said, okay. I have a name to go back. Yeah, so yeah. I went back to the phone. Did you correlate those two together, or you're like, oh, maybe it's another church now? Um, I correlated them, but I didn't know. I had yeah, no knowledge that okay. they had anything to do with one another. Okay. So I said, four and one, uh, Latter-day Saints. And she says, well, which listing do you want? And I said, well, I don't know. And she said, well, I have two full pages here of listings. So oh, I was... All the different wards. All the wards. Wards. I didn't know. Well, how am yeah. I going to know? You yeah. know, all the other churches just had like one phone number. So I said, well, I don't know. And she said, well, I can't help you then. So I hung up, and I opened my yellow pages. Millennials, like, you have no idea. 
You had to pay every time you called 401. That cost you like 50 cents. Yeah. yeah that cost you money. That's yeah. right. That so I opened my yellow pages yet again in the religion <laughs> section. Look for uh, Latter-day Saints. Sure enough, she wasn't kidding. There was two full pages. And there was wards and stakes <laughs> and Bishop's storehouse and the L.A. temple. And I had no idea what I was Even just the wards. Yeah. There was just like 50 of them. Oh, I go to explain that to people, like you can get lost in that. Experience. Yeah. So I looked at the page and I asked God. Which one? Which one do I call? And literally it was like right in front of me. It like came out and it said 10th Ward. So I said, okay, I'll call that number. So I called the number and there was no answer. <laughs> of course, after all this. <laughs> So then I looked, so I'm like, going great. Yeah. It was probably in the hallway of the church, right? It was. It was a pay pay phone. That's back when we had pay phones in the hallway. So anyway, so I looked, and it was the only one on the whole page that said, if no answer, call. Uh, The 10th word said that. Yeah. Wow. Right underneath. So I said. Right? I mean, the Lord was clearly in charge of this. So I called the phone number and this guy answered and I didn't know what to say. It's like, okay, I was in my closet and this voice told me to call you. Did you say that? No, he'd think I was crazy. Yeah, I think you're nuts. So I just said, you know, are you with the church? And he said, yeah. And I said, I have this really big dilemma. I have a daughter, I'm a single parent, I can't take care of her. And I was thinking about giving her up for adoption. And he said, oh, we have fam- family services. And he said, if you want, you can come in, I'll talk to you about it. There's no pressure at all to give her up, not at all. You will just, if you wanna just talk, I'm happy to talk with you. And I said, oh, okay. And then I said, oh, by the way, I'm like, when are your services? Because you don't have a sign outside that says, like, come at 9 a.m. Which most churches are all black. Yeah. So he said, oh, well, we have some missionaries. Do you want me to send them over? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? How was that? So that was a Thursday. The missionaries knocked on my door Friday. Uh, Saturday, they gave me the first lesson. Sunday, I went to my first sacrament meeting. Um, Monday, I started like reading the Book of Mormon and I read the whole Book of Mormon in six weeks and was baptized six weeks later. That's awesome. Boom. That's crazy. But I mean, there's this clear evidence. God, pray, like, not everyone gets prayers that specific, answers that specific. But they but, do when, but, the, when it's that, when it's that, when, it's, when, you, when the stakes, <clears throat> when the stakes are that high. It's amazing because, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that would say, uh, you know, it's, it's whispers and stuff, and it is a lot of times, but not when you need it to be a yell or not when you need it to be specific. Like you said, you specifically knocked, right? You specifically asked. I was. And that was just how it's been for me. And when I was in the MTC, we had to answer phone calls like that. You know, they, they forget what they call it in the MTC, but you're getting phone calls just coming in. And right. people like that, they don't go into detail about, you know, this backstory, which, yeah. you know, is why, but they're calling and they're like laying it out to some stranger, to yeah. a night 20-year-old, telling us like their life story or like, you know, like their dilemma. And like, I don't have kids, like, I don't have, you know, but they're like, so I don't know what to do. What should I do? Well, what was really interesting, Maybe. and now that I've been a member That's for 21 nice. years, I see how the adversary does not want you to get baptized oh. at all. You know, and I'd been baptized 
uh, when I was born, you know, yeah. you get, what's it called, christened. Mm -hmm. oh. And I had gone to a Baptist church, and I had gotten baptized there. Um, but I just had this sinking feeling that there was something more. There was something more. I didn't know what it was, but there was something more. And so I had stopped going, you know, to the Baptist church. And I had just knew that there was something more, but I didn't know where to find it. So anyway, the missionaries are coming over, giving me my lessons. And what the irony is, my friend comes, uh, I had a side window so I can see him walking in. And this was my party friend. And every time I was around him, I did really bad things, like really bad, really, really, really bad things. So he's coming around, and he looks really hungover, and he comes around, and he sees these two super clean-cut 19-year-old boys in their shirts and ties and their scriptures, and he looks at me, and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to join this church. And he looked at me like, oh, you're kidding, right? And it was really hard because in that moment I could have said no. I could have said no. I could have said, you know, oh yeah. I could have said, oh yeah, you guys, I could have told him to go. You guys go. I'm going to be with my best friend, you know. But I didn't. I That was the first time I stood up and I said, yeah. It was one of the first. I'm sure there's been many more since. Well, yeah. And then, yeah. And then all of a sudden everybody came out of the woodwork. I mean, I'd be laying on the beach by myself. This guy walks by me and says, what church do you go to? And I said, oh, I'm getting baptized in the Mormon church. And he goes on and on about the, about the Mormon church. Evil. Then I'm in line at DMV, and I've already set my baptismal date. I'm in, sitting in line at DMV, minding my own business, and the person in front of me turns and says, oh, what church do you go to? And I said, oh, I'm getting baptized in the you know Mormon church. And then all of a sudden, everybody around me is telling me. Also yeah. Because before this, you didn't even know, you didn't even know about church. it. That's was. how it was for me. And it was scary because they were asking me questions I did not you know. Didn't really know the I had no prayer. idea. You didn't know the answer to your prayer. Like, I had no clue. No, it was the Book of Mormon. Yeah. It wasn't the answer to my prayer. It was the Book of Mormon. I had read the Book of Mormon. Oh, yeah, because at this point, you've already read it. So you, I didn't even read mine until it was on the empty. Yeah, no, I had <laughs> read the whole thing. So I had no idea what a prophet was. Yeah. I had no idea about anything. All I knew was I read the Book of Mormon, and I knew the Book of Mormon was true. And I remember specifically reading the Book of Mormon. There's this part in Alma. It's like Alma 5. And I read it, and my heart just broke. And it's about, do you see, you know, in your countenance? Does, you know, is yeah. Christ in your countenance? And I just, I just knew that, I had to like, it was a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. And, um, and then there's this great part where um, uh, it's like a brother of Ammon or whatever, but he comes to King Lamoni, this great big king, this huge king with all this stuff, like everything, everything in the world you could possibly want. And he asks this uh, young man, you know, is there a God? And he says, yes, there's a God. And so he asks him about this God, and he and the young man testifies of this God, and he says, and this is the one that really makes me cry, he said, if there is a God, I, I will give up everything. I will give up my whole kingdom, everything I own, to know this God and to be saved, you know, and, uh, and he says, that's it. That's it? That's all you got to do? That was it. 
You know what I've been thinking about a lot lately is uh, both you, Monica, and Jay. Um, you hear a lot in the church. I grew up in the church, obviously, is like, oh, that family would be perfect Mormons because they don't do drink, they don't drink. They've been perfect. They've been great. And sometimes we discount people with, uh, sh- quote, shady past or a checkered past. They're like, oh, they'd never be Mormon. Like, both of you would fit that word. I had to hide. I had to hide everything. members of the church. If members had known us, they would have been like, probably ran from us. But... And, and I think I'll bring it back to ARP. Like, this is such a great missionary tool to be saying, able to like... introduce. And it's, you know, these, quote, dry Mormons that are, like, living. A, a, that just means they're not drinking or smoking or having sex. Like, they're just they're just living commandments. It doesn't necessarily but, mean that. But, man, the power of the atonement. And the, the well, I've gone, from yeah, I've gone to um, AA meetings, you know, secular meetings before. I did not know that the ARP program existed. I just found out about it literally like last July. And I just, it was a fluke that I ended up here, you know, that I ended up going. And after hearing everyone's story, I mean, literally the first night I thought, these are my peeps. Where have you been? So you're saying that when it's your first time walking into ARP. So this is important because a lot of people are listening to this. And now the church does have a lot of literature. It has the videos online. And they may be thinking that's enough, but they deep down inside may know that it's not enough. They need to get to a meeting, and they're probably on the fence. If you're like me or anyone else, you're always on the fence about jumping in full force. And Because when, when you do, most of us, we're in. You know, we don't have a problem just getting started. And then once we get started, most of us are committed people. So you come after already being sober... 20 some years at that point. Right. You come to, and you explain. I remember the first night. And right. You explain, hey, I'm getting a 24 year, yeah. four year chip, but you still have, so explain what that was like. You came your first time, you heard, and you said, you felt what? Well, what was funny is right when I walked in, you do the chips, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, give yeah. out the chips. And so it's like anyone with 24 hours, okay, anyone with, you know, a week, a month, six months, Here's a year, a two Probably years, three now. years. And so you kind of stopped at three I years. And you said, then I, got, I, I raised my hand and I'm like, 24 years. I, I kind of like, that. I, I remember when you said that because I, I always stop. I'm like, oh, I should have said, is there any birthdays? But I just said no. uh, three. I'm like thinking, well, she's probably a newcomer and she just doesn't want to grab a chip. I never, yeah, I never took a chip in a yeah. meeting before. And there was a reason why I don't take a chip. I don't ch- take a chip because, our, especially our tw- in our 12 traditions, in a secular AA or any kind of meeting is, you know, it's about principles and not personalities. Yeah, and so for me, I never took a chip because I didn't want it to be about me. Because as far, far as I was concerned... Uh, especially after being a member for so, for 21 years, it was only through the grace of Christ that I had been able to do it. I had nothing to do with it. It was only yeah. go through grace and, you know, the power of the atonement. Yeah. But you see where it is. So the, the, I agree with you because when I first came, this is a good subject real quick, you know, a side subject is because I was like, oh, chips, this, that, that's really egotistical. I'm like, I think we're all here to, like, shed our ego, right? That's what I learned. But so then I started bragging about how Yeah, I'm bragging about it. And I saw people that did do that, of course. And I see people fall because they do that, too. Yeah, I was I afraid. I and I was. Weird. I was afraid I was going to chip, and then I would relapse, and then yeah. everyone would look at me like, oh, yeah. you're, yeah. like, preparing for the shame. You're preparing for this. There's a lot of stuff, and there's righteousness. But now I realize, after a few years of doing this, that you getting your – and I'm sure you realize this, too, right? When you get that chip, there's someone in this room that is sitting there with a day, maybe 30 days, maybe 60 days or 90 days, and they're going, there's no way I can do this for a year. And that was, yeah. And then when you get that chip, 
you literally become a testimony that it's all real. Well, different, yeah. right, right. Well, just since you've been coming, how many lives have you blessed? Oh, yeah. When well, they you haven't see gotten to that, that point yet. I mean, so now let's yeah. talk about that. So here, because you get that chip, you now identify to, of course, the meeting. But to me and Brad, because here, you little did you know that since we started this meeting, our conversation. So yeah. our this is our local ARP for those of you listening. Um, our local meeting here um, in California, we had been praying and thinking about, we just need a female yeah. who has done the steps and who yeah. gets it. And so I, I wasn't here their first meeting, but Jay immediately at 930, we got a girl. We got a girl. Well, like, and when I, I, it was like, when you took the chip, I was like, and you said you lived here and you were going to come back. You, you, that's what you said. You're like, I'm going to definitely come back. I'm like, yes. And I remember telling Lexi, I text Brad. I was like, because we had all these women would come. And they'd stay for a while, which is good, but you know they need they need sponsorship. Yeah. And like, unfortunately, it's just not how it's it's not appropriate for male. But like, right, it was just it was just perfect. Well, and when I walked in the the meeting, it was all guys. Yeah, yeah. And so because I thought it was so they have men's pornography yeah. meetings <laughs> that are oh, only men. I did. I looked right yeah, at you. Wasn't there either? That no, day. it was yeah. all men. All guys. And so I said, "Hey, is this a is this a men's like?" You did only meeting, like and you were like, "No, no, no, come on in." It just cool. so happens that most of the girls are just falling off right. the wagon, unfortunately, because right. we had a bunch that were coming, but we didn't have anyone sponsor them. Yeah. And like, you know, I was just tonight we had majority women in here tonight. Yeah, right. I just that. really that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, I only took a chip because uh, I have a best friend who's a 67 year old woman, and she uh, had gotten three years mm-hmm. sobriety, and then she relapsed. And I've, it's just been really hard. And so for her, I only took the chip. So to give it to her and say, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's hope. And then since then, though, you got right away, right, Brad? Like you're talking about, then you get put to work. Like this whole crazy story. And it's like, so many people would be like, I thought I was done. After my crazy conversion story, I was like, oh, I joined church, went on a mission. I'm done. I'm good. Like now I'm just going to live this Mormon life. I'm going to get married, have kids. But the Lord's like, no, are you serious? Like that's how I got myself back into trouble because I thought I was done. I had arrived. Yeah, and I thought, same thing with my secular, you know, 12-step programs. I had thought, oh, well, I did all the steps, yeah, you know, right. 12 steps, yeah, whatever. So for me, a 12-step was just like like so handing cool. out, you know, pamphlets or, you know. Yeah, if somebody. Go out of my way. No, yeah, oh, no. It didn't even occur to me to ever be a sponsor. I was like, no, no, I could never do that, you know. Luckily, we adopted that culture. So for 20-something years, you never sponsored anybody? No. Okay. Wow. Well, no. see, and I just jumped on you like as if you had done it a thousand times. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay. So, so you, just so you know, Monica's an amazing, not only if you're listening, of course, now you know she's amazing and, and extraordinary, but at the same and humble. But then I just started, now I'm rattling off phone numbers to every time a girl, anyone I knew, any, all the people that I knew from before, it was like, hey, Monica, you got to call this person. Hey, you need to talk to this person. And the Lord immediately put you to work. Well, I and I really had this like fire in my like the fire burning in your bosom. And all of a sudden I had this mission and I knew that I had come to earth and that all the crap stuff that I had been through, everything was preparing me for this moment. And there's there's a line in Esther in the Bible that says, for this, for this end, I was born. And I just knew that for then on, I was going to be a spokesperson for the women in the church, specifically the LDS church, yeah. who had addictions, no matter what it was. But I, I found out man. there were women like me mm-hmm. that had done drugs, that had sex with a lot of people or whatever, that had smoke, that had drank, everything. And I decided I'm going to be there 
And you're gonna drop that anonymity, yeah. right? Like, I mean, look what you're doing tonight. I, mean, I did, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was just when you know who your cares. purpose. Is, that's so trivial. That I'm not. That's not for everyone. But for when when you when you feel like you're born for it, that just goes out the you window. Go with that. Yeah. Well, and 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 I want to close with this, like uh, to use this as a missionary tool, because sometimes we're looking for the dry Mormon that all they got it. You know, they're already living all the commandments. So just baptize them. Let's give them a testimony, but. Let's let's open up this hope and this uh, the atonement to everybody and uh, you know, but Boy K. Packer's quote: "No habit, no addiction, no rebellion, no transgression, no offense is exempted from the promise of complete forgiveness." And Jay, if your friend in Home Depot didn't understand that testimony, there's no way he would reach out. He'd be like, "This guy, who's this kid?" And and same with you. I mean, and sometimes it takes a 19 year old or 20 year old kid or missionary because they're naive to go in there and teach you but sometimes those adults are super judgmental we're judgmental we're like ah well that was the that was the difference for me in the the arp meeting i walked in to a meeting with complete total strangers specifically men you know so that was a little you know intimidating but the the atmosphere in the arp meetings of of complete trust complete no judgment whatsoever this honesty, this openness, this willingness, courageous, courageous shares. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if they can do it, I can do it. And that was the first time I ever told anyone that I had been in the sex industry, you know, that you I had. You up each time. You yeah. just like, yeah. more and more. And then now you're just like, like you said, you're an open. The Lord well, just hits you. And you're but like, so at that point, you know someone who's struggling. We all know someone struggling. Yeah, so Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Where's a safe place to bring them to find them help? ARP, baby. ARP. Whether you're LDS or not. LDS or not. Like, that's the thing. Is like Brad's trying to tie in to close it up here. Uh, the atonement's for everybody. It's for everyone. And if you're sitting there, if you're thinking you're listening to this, maybe you're listening to this because you just have a family member that maybe stumbled upon this and you're trying to learn more about this disease. And, and you may think you're listening to it for someone specifically, but if you feel the spirit or if you prompt it, I mean, there could be someone else in your life that you don't even realize uh, is... is <laughs> Brad turned the mic, so it's facing me me off but preach anyways I preach man I just think about that uh yeah it was that guy in Home Depot that shared the gospel with me and, and shared it but it wasn't until a year and a half later that I went on my mission to the Philippines and I arrived in the Philippines that a guy came to pick me up and he was the mission AP right with his companion and guess who it was it was one of my best friends since junior high really one of my good friend not best friend but good friend yeah, but had no before. yeah had no idea he was Mormon the whole time oh we yeah each other. that happened and, to me too yeah and uh he broke down and started crying. He was so excited to see me. but And and so then we talked. Oh, my gosh, you remember? Because I joined, and he'd already been on his mission. He went right after, right? And I joined at 1920, so already later. And anyways, the point is, we get back to the, so we're catching up. Oh, my gosh, you didn't know you were Mormon. I knew you were different You were, through high school. You didn't do the things I did. Mm. But you were wild, but you weren't too wild. And he's like, yeah, I, I would have, I can't believe you remember. Like, I just, because, dude, I was crazy, too. I, there's no way. You're, but what he shared with those new missionaries, including myself, at the, at the mission home in the Philippines, right? Like in another world. Most of us just got off a 20-hour flight, right? Two flights. And he said to us all, he goes, listen. And he broke down and started crying. He's like, listen, you're going to be in this Philippines. We were in the chaos of Manila, right? It was crazy. It wasn't beautiful beaches and stuff. It was crazy. Everyone had a cigarette in their mouth. Everyone was alcoholic. Everyone had no teeth. Like it was gnarly. It was, it was a hard area to be in. There was a lot of poverty and a lot of drugs and alcohol. And he goes, I, when you see that person talking to you and you think to yourself in your mind that that person will never join the church, he goes, don't ever tell 
the Lord who can and can join the church. He goes, because there's a missionary in here, and then that's when he shared about me and our story of how we knew each other and how none of us knew that we, you know, 20, 12 years prior to that, that was going to happen. And so uh, there, there's someone maybe in your life with a cigarette in his mouth or with a booze in her hand or pornography or sex or whatever. I don't care. If, if you feel the prompting and if you uh, open your heart and your mind, Heavenly Father will put you in the right place at the right time to share stories. And there's people out there like Monica who are ready to embrace the gospel and ready to just dive in it. And then now she's out there saving lives for the Lord and grateful for you being on here and grateful for you being open and being willing to share. Not too many people do that. So, Well, can I just say one more thing? Yeah, the ARP meeting also has a family oh, yeah. and spouses meeting. Yeah. Uh, and I've gone through That's their manual the right? okay. and it yeah, is the best it. yeah it is awesome so if you have a chance to go to a family meeting please go meeting, there's at least the manual that's online at arp exactly the manual is incredible specifically spouses correct Whether spouses female, and spouse spouses and family, family members. members so if you have kids you right? could have a brother, brother kids, you could yeah. have a dad you could yeah so if you're listening to this you don't have to just get the normal manual and get that but even well. powerful if you don't have a spouse meeting you should be able to go to generally our Absolutely, you can. Yeah, half no. Of our, half of them today was right. husband and wife. Exactly. And, and Which is unheard of in yeah. the secular 12-step oh. community. I was about that today. I, like, I love work. Because like, we get some salty old AA people come in here. But they're great and have a great thing to share. But then they, they bounce when it doesn't fit the quote. Well, guess what? This isn't AA. Absolutely. I, lay, I will lay down and say, A's, this is all from AA. Exactly. This is not AA. Right. And that's okay. And I yeah. love A. I love the big book. I've read it thou you know, so many times on audiobook. I've just studied it and well, this is not A. Yeah, and an AA or any yeah. other secular, you can't say Jesus. You can't say, you can't say Heavenly Father. You can't yeah. even say you're uh, a pornography addict if you're an AA. You can only yeah, you have to identify exactly with yeah, the Basically medium. I love ARP and I'm hundred percent for it. And I decided when I came to like for me, so if you're listening and you're like I only want to go to the yes, it's okay. That's not for everyone, but for me I I was kind of like, you know, Monica here, where like I believe the Lord would give me everything I needed in, within inside the walls of the church. And I, I made a commitment to the Lord that I would never miss a week, but I didn't want to go to AA meetings because I went to one. And uh, it reminded me a lot of who I was before I was a member of the yes. church. And I didn't want that to ever come exactly. back Kind of like yes. doing the chips. I didn't want my ego to come back out with the swearing and all this other stuff. I needed, yeah, and I needed role I needed models. Religion. I needed, yeah, I need and people I, above I need exactly. people that I wanted. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, well, anyways, Monica, thanks for coming in. We're out of time. So amazing. Thank you very much. We'll probably have you back over. Oh, we're for sure. There's, back there's because there's way more details. We we talked to her before we got started, and there's so much we didn't even touch on. But appreciate you. Okay. Until next time. I'm Brad. I'm Jamanatic. <laughs>